What's up, Connection Podcast Network listeners? Welcome back to WWE War Wrestling Above Replacement. I am JT, and joining me as always on the show, my friend Marcus. Marcus, how are you? JT, I'm excited to be here for episode 20, where it all begins again. <laughs> Good call. <laughs> Someday we'll get to WrestleMania 20. There'll be a lot of tales to tell at that one. <laughs> but for now, we are matriculating through our NXT 2018-2019 season. And after tonight, Marcus, we're going to be pretty much at the finish line. We'll, on our next episode, we'll have just two more shows and our year-end awards. So pretty crazy how quickly we've gotten here. Another season almost in the books. And it's been an interesting ride. I mean, we came in, I think you had some set views and feelings on NXT. And I like to think you've been pretty open-minded, and I've seen some impressive scores from you. I try to be open-minded, try to be fair, coming to this uh, without being too jaded. Of course, some some things are going to stick, but um, mm-hmm. I feel like in for myself, uh, I've been able to better identify like why I dislike things and pinpoint exactly like a right. theme that we've seen this season is performance over winning and like mm-hmm. actual match result, and like that will always bug me. Um, right. We've seen a you know a lot of styles seem to go by the wayside. Um, and sometimes things, stories and matches kind of be put on halt, um, in order to kind of get, uh, a cool spot or moment in, uh, so like those things I've been able to identify, like what exactly do I not like about this era, but there's also lots of positives too. And uh, I think we'll get to some of those tonight. Yep, for sure. Uh, and we'll see, I think, you know, as we talked about, we're hopefully kind of past the Gargano Ciampa 
stuff. So we'll mix it up a little bit, get some different looks in here throughout the card. Uh, we also have a, uh, you know, I'll be covering obviously the first ever UK uh, takeover as well for the the brand proper. So lots to get into. NXT's fared pretty well to this point. Uh, hasn't gotten to the very top of the list or like dominant yet, but it's been more up than down. Uh, mostly, but we're kind of hitting a stretch now. These four that we have left are pretty well regarded. Um, when you think of like all time takeovers. So obviously we didn't talk about yeah. New Orleans in this season. I think that, you know, me and, and others view that as maybe the best ever. Uh, but when you look at like New York still to come is, is, you know, very hotly regarded and um, Phoenix as well. So we'll see how these all hold up down the stretch. I think we'll be seeing some of these probably creeping into our, uh, higher on the list than what we've talked about so far. Yeah, some definite heavy hitters to come, but um, yeah, I guess yes, a heavy hitter uh, as we'll see tonight. I think. Yeah, and let's dive into two. it. So, this is NXT Takeover War Games two from the Staples Center in Los Angeles. Uh, the first Takeover War Games happened in Houston the year before. So, we continue the trend with the Survivor Series November Takeover. Uh, being war games based, and uh, a lot of people were happy when they brought war games back as a concept. I mean, that was something that fans were begging Dirty to do ever since they bought WCW, and we kind of get the Elimination mm-hmm. Chamber, which is like a mixed version of it. But uh, I remember being pretty excited when the concept as a whole came back to NXT because you kind of knew, you know, for better or worse, and some of the faults Triple H has had in running NXT, um, one of the things was, you know, you know, he'll be he'll honor stuff like WCW and, and NWA legacy as well. So you, you knew that they would put a lot of importance onto war games and execute it properly. Yeah. And WWE especially loves these like match themed shows, whether it's mm-hmm. money, in the bank, Royal rumble, hell in a cell, so on and so forth. Like this is kind of the NXT version. Um, but we've seen NXT, uh, I think as we'll mention tonight, like at least kind of weave the stories in uh, to at least get to like the actual event needing to happen. Right. So, uh, but yeah, looking forward to talking about the second war games, but the first one for us. Mm-hmm. All right, we get it started with a very interesting untakeover like match uh, featuring Cassius Ono against Matt Riddle making his takeover debut. And the whole angle behind this was like, you know, KO is the knockout artist and all this other stuff. And Riddle couldn't hang with him. He, you know, he'll knock him out, right? Like, that's all the talk leading into this. It wasn't even it originally was supposed to be on the main card. Then it wasn't. Then they ended up adding it as part of like this promo where Ono talks shit. Riddle comes out and they make the match and it ends up just being a six second squash and not even squash. I should say it's more of a catchy off guard kind of knockout thing thing to like play off Ono's talking tough. But basically Riddle hits him with the knee off the bell and just pins him. (laughs) That's it uh, in six seconds. So it's really nothing which I didn't mind as like an angle. I thought it was fine and well done. Um, it just felt very on takeover, like for NXT. I felt like this was something you'd see on TV. So I guess, you know, kudos to them for doing something a little bit different on one of these cards and going this route makes Riddle look like a badass and with his legitimate background could knock you out in a, in a blink. Um, and I thought Ono was a pretty good shit talker as a heel. So I gave it a star. Just, I mean, it is what it is, but I thought it was, you know, a fine way to get us started. Yeah, something we haven't seen a lot on these NXT takeovers, and that is, like, taking risks, uh, which is what ended up really favoring the Attitude Era uh, 99-2000 season that we talked about. Um, 
I like the idea of getting Riddle over as like this is an actual like MMA dude mm-hmm. who can knock people out and find the button real quick and end a match. Um, who has more than one way to beat you, and they're going to do that on TV, uh, whether it's like submissions or different strikes or actually like maneuvers. So um, the only thing I didn't like from this was the actual execution of like the knockout. Um, right. I, I feel like wrestling, like when you color in wrestling, you have to use like such broad strokes and bright colors. Um, so like to me, Ono should have been like knocked out, knocked out. Um, so that's my like, only bugaboo here, but I want mm-hmm. uh, a star in three quarters. Okay. And for those of you tuning in, perhaps for the first time or uh, may just need a refresh. So we take my match grade. We take Marcus's match grade and average that out, round up to the nearest quarter star, and then either plus minus it from what would be our replacement level average match of two and a half. So for this, we average a grade out is a one and a half. And so that's, you know, a full point below two and a half, which is our, uh, consider replacement level. And that's what we base this entire project on is replacement level equals like the most average thing you can do, right? So any points we give in the plus side, we feel it was a notch above a replacement level outing uh, or thing. And every minus is is a notch below that. So if you just kind of put the most basic of cards out, we should net out to zero, right? Um, so that's how we present this. Our next match is a rematch from... Our last takeover in Brooklyn, and that's Kyrie Sane defending the women's title against Shayna Baszler. This is a best of three falls match, and you know this one really caught me off guard, Marcus. Like I was not expecting, uh, you know, this to be as good as it was, and it only goes ten minutes, and it's three falls, right? So you kind of look at it and feel like maybe it's rushed, but man, the pace was so good. Sane is such a good, um, you know, Sane is such a good person to work against Shayna uh, in a setting like this, right? Because she can sell and bump her ass off and just let Baszler throw her around and choke her out. And she it just looks makes her look super believable. Shayna had regained the title um, since we last spoke with at Brooklyn, and she retains here winning two to one. So I, I really like this match a lot. I think it's the best women's match we've seen to date. Uh, for sure. So I went uh, four and a quarter on this, Marcus. I, I, just, I thought it was great. And I couldn't believe how much they jammed at the 10 minutes. It's almost like when you run a series of matches, the finale needs to be a change up from the previous <laughs> matches yeah, that you've familiar. seen. Right. Yeah. Huh. So uh, I went four and a half. I absolutely love this match. They wrestled mm. with like a frenetic pace. Um, they wrestled with such urgency. Like nobody wanted to play around. They they both wanted to win so desperately. Uh, you get like the outside interference. That was like a big crescendo, mm-hmm. I felt like. So I loved everything about this. Um, four and a half for me. All right. So that's uh, an all time match for us. Uh, we do get bonus points for all time matches if you and I are both at four and a quarter or higher. Uh, and we subtract for all time worst matches for anything that's 0.75 and lower for both of us. So. A uh, surprising bonus point here for this match. I mean, we we like both these women. We know they're both great, mm-hmm. but when you look at the setup on paper, like if you were to say best of three, 10 minutes, like we're not going to crank crank this level out, right? So they definitely delivered. Up next is Alistair Black taking on Johnny Gargano. Uh, Black making his comeback after the injury uh, where he had to vacate the title going into Brooklyn. Uh, it was revealed that Gargano was the one that took him out. Uh, in the parking lot. Uh, so he returns here. We have a grudge match. 
I, I mean, I, I love this match. I thought it was fantastic. It had a good rivalry behind it. Uh, it was physical. It was hard hitting. I thought they made Gargano look strong, but I was glad Black got the win. Like it would have been very NXT to just have Gargano beat him. Um, wasn't to me like a five star outing, but it was pretty damn close. So I went four and a half on this. Um, I just I just fantastic. I know you're not the biggest Gargano fan, um, but I thought this really really delivered in the ring. Well, everything you said is true. Uh, it was physical. It was hard hitting, and um, to that I would say it shouldn't have been. Um, when you've got a striker with such presence and like with such execution that Alistair Black delivers, um, and you got a guy nicknamed Johnny Wrestling uh, on your program, I just I didn't see why this needed to be some kind of back and forth classic. I definitely didn't agree with it. It took me out of it. Um, they did a little bit of storytelling with like the beginning of the match with like. Gargano needing to kind of stick and move against Black, mm-hmm. but like all it took from Black was like one strike to even up like three of Gargano's. Uh, and then like after two and a half minutes, they completely abandoned that story. It's like they set up the story and then they go on to do like, I guess maybe a little bit more like a traditional PWG style, you know, super everything is awesome style matchup. Uh, and they kind of go back to like the storytelling through the strikes and then like they get away from it again. Um, This just felt like black needed a really strong win coming off of the injury angle. Mm -hmm. Um, Gargano needed some comeuppance with his changing character. Uh, And I felt like this match, like maybe it would have been better on TV. Like I, I feel like putting on takeover, they needed to justify being on a takeover by having, what you called it a four and a half star match. Um, but for me, just like the booking, the storytelling was all a big miss. I went three and a quarter. I like that it was under 20. Uh, that's a mm. win in its own right. For yeah. Uh, I don't know. I liked it a lot. I, I think this is um, on some of the stuff where we differ, right? He's going to end up dinging these a little bit. Like to me, this should have been like another point for all time match, uh, which doesn't get one, but look, I get it. You're not a fan of the style of the presentation. And again, I'm not like super NXT guy either. Um, I tend to be in the middle on some of these, but this one I thought really stood out. I thought it just felt different. I, I liked Gargano working a bit of a different style than we've seen overall. And I thought Black Black's always on point. So I just I just thought it told a really good story. Yeah, I think uh, not to sneak ahead too much into our year-end awards, but I think Alistair Black is going to find himself in the MB, MVP discussion for us. I've really enjoyed everything mm-hmm. he's done. Yeah, he's been great. Uh, another guy that's going to possibly be in that discussion, uh, for better or worse, is going to be the Velveteen Dream. Mm. And here potentially is his peak as he challenges Tommaso Ciampa for the NXT title. I think coming into this match, you could see it, right? You could see maybe this is mm-hmm. where they do it. Uh, do they finally just crown Dream and put him on top, given how hot he's been and how behind them they are? Or does he lose and finally move up? Um, to the main event roster, right? Because that's been rumored too. He seems like a better fit there. Seems like a guy they would want to take advantage of and just get him out of NXT. Uh, so this could be a pivot point. Ciampa does end up winning. Uh, you know, and of course we should mention because it's war games, we get the double ring. So this one used the two rings a lot when they go back and forth. Uh, the finish I thought was really good here where Ciampa DDTs him off the ropes onto the steel between the two rings, which is a sick fi- looking finish. This is another fantastic match. 
I had no memory of this one at all, and I wasn't sure what to expect coming in uh, because I felt like it could be a potential clash in styles. I like seeing Ciampa work someone else that wasn't Gargano, <laughs> that was on a different style of wrestler. I thought it told a much different story, a much more grounded, mm-hmm. um, basic uh, story, but with some other big moves. And I think Dream has continued to showcase how versatile he is and how the connection he has with the crowd. Like, this is a really damn good match. And even the end was so good where they're both just kind of laying on the mat, selling how physical it was. Um, you know, this is a big moment for Dream. We've talked about his elevation throughout the season. Uh, you know, again, we'll talk eventually about where things end with him. It sucks. And just to reiterate, like, this isn't any way to, you know, defend or put over where things go. But in the moment, he looks like a star. Um, and I just love that he's continuously trying to prove himself in all these matches, right? That he belongs because the talking point is, well, you didn't come up like the rest of us, right? You're being force fed into this position type of thing. So I like this a lot. I went four stars. I thought it was showed that Choppa could work a different type of match. Um, and I thought the dream showed that he could hang. Yeah. I like this a good bit too. Um, I think originally I had this topping out at like four, even getting close to four and a quarter. Uh, as the match went on though, I settled down at three and a half. And understand why they did a whole bunch. Like, if you haven't seen this match or you don't have any memory of this match, like, this might be one to go back and check um, because uh, it's really good, but they also do a ton. Um, and I just think, you know, given my taste in wrestling, like, a, less is more sometimes um, or a lot of the times. Uh, and this one kind of fits in that category. But uh, it was a really refreshing matchup. Two characters you wouldn't think of, like, intersecting. But right. they find a way to make it happen, and it's cool. Like, the title's connected. We've seen Dream kind of take, like, this natural escalation up the card. Mm-hmm. And it's nice to just see Ciampa in there with somebody who's, like, different. not Johnny Gargano, right? And yeah. you also get to see a different different side of his skill set mm-hmm. where, like, he can actually, like, make you believe that, you know, uh, for better or worse, like, this mid-card guy um, who's, you know, somewhat an underdog and, and definitely doesn't have uh, the experience uh, necessarily to be, like, in this style of matchup. But, like, you think he's got a shot. And, like, as the match goes on, like you said, the two mindsets of, like, Dream loses, he gets called up, he stays, he becomes champion. As the match goes on, you're like, oh, I want this guy to win. Like, I, I want him to stay. Like, I, I actually want to see him as champion. So, uh, great job by Champa. Uh, good job by Velveteen Dream stepping up to the moment. Um, so, yeah, a, a little bit apart, but not too much. Three and a half for me. All right. Let's continue on to our main event, which is War Games. Pete Dunn, Ricochet, and the War Raiders taking on the Undisputed Era, the return of Bobby Fish, joining Roderick Strong, Kyle O'Reilly, and Adam Cole, baby. This match is a long one, 47 minutes. Um, but I, th- I thought they kept it moving. They kept it entertaining. It was brutal. It was grueling. Um, it's amazing how much they wove throughout this time. I mean, to go almost 50 minutes uh you know, to weave in as much as they did and keep it as engaging as it was. Uh, all eight guys kill themselves. We get some big spots, but they didn't dominate the match with big spots, which is cool. Um, I thought this really uh, showed like, wow, like this is a great group of talent they have right now. And that face team may look weak on paper. Like, Ricochet, I don't think he's been elevated enough yet, but he's almost mm-hmm. there. Pete Dunn, 
again, like, is he a guy leading like a top face team against a dominant heel stable? Like, you know, like, and then War Raiders had just debuted. We talked about it in Brooklyn. So this didn't feel like a high level face team. You know, like if I had to compare it to a WCW War Games team, it would maybe be like Dusty Dustin and the Nasty Boy. Right? Like, <laughs> like it doesn't feel like a like a star led like Sting or whoever team. Right. But yeah. They proved like they're just as fucking good. Like they're awesome in this match, all four of them. I thought this was an absolute star maker for Ricochet, who looked great. Um, and I think it, like, if you watch this, you think he's going to be the guy in NXT from here. Um, and same for Dunn, too. So just a ton going on. Um, I, I thought the match was great. I, I think, again, like, has been our criticism of a lot of NXT main events. Um, 10 minutes too long, maybe. Mm-hmm. I think if it if it you know wraps up a little bit sooner, it peaks even higher. As is, uh, I went four and a quarter. So again, an all time match. I think it had the potential to close in on five. Honestly, if they tightened a few things up, but it was still it's still great. Uh, I will triple stamp your double stamp everything you just said. I completely agree with. Tighten it up. You're looking at a five star match. That said, I'm at four and a quarter with you. Um, yeah, Dunn and Ricochet come out of this kind of feeling like the, not just the future of the NXT brand, but like the present as well. Like the future is mm-hmm. the present. Um, there's a really cool spot in here where, um, one of the war Raiders, I can't remember which one, uh, drives, I believe it's Bobby fish through the table, mm-hmm. uh, that's set up like in between the two rings and like just the way they set it up and kind of tease and build to it. Like it gets such a monster reaction. Um, it, it's it's just like really cool to see. Um, this match is like the perfect blend of the old school war game storytelling. Um, that just like, yeah, it's basic and it's fundamental, but like people love it. Um, yep. It's just something you want to see, while also mixing in a lot of like the new school, super incredible death defying spots. Um, so yeah, four and a quarter for me, and we have another all time match. All right, so to wrap up the match grades, uh, let's head over to our categories. So we do plus-minus scoring in all of our categories here, and then it'll end up totaling up. So our match grade total war is five and a half. So that's a pretty good score, like we talked about in our last episode. Anything in that five to six and a half, seven range is, like, great. And then we have some of our elite shows, like peak over seven. But um, this is really good. Let's get into our categories. All right. For build... We gave a plus point for uh, just a really good weaving of actually we ended up giving two points because there's so much going on. They really wove in like all these multi feuds into war games nicely. It didn't feel forced um, the way they did it. You know, Ricochet and Cole had their issue going back to uh, Brooklyn. You had the War Raiders who attacked Undisputed Era, want the tag titles. They're in the mix. Pete Dunn's the other top guy. He's in there. Fish is back. So it felt like they really put together a lot of the the feuds at the top into a match that felt organic mm. um a point for the really long feud between Shayna and Kyrie sane uh using evolution which is where Shayna won the title back for the side change was good to help put over the women's special pay-per-view um so that was all really well done uh i thought the reveal that gargano's the one who took out black made sense so a point for that to at least put some emphasis into the feud and i thought the cassius ono heel turn was good too because he had a really natural bitch in place, right? Like he was here. He was kind of the original indie dream workers. Yeah. They had the issue with the weight and all that other crap. And then they ended up letting him go. 
And by the time they bring him back, they've added like 20 of those guys. <laughs> like all of a sudden, <laughs> like, like he's overshadowed now and he has a right to be like, well, fuck you. I was here first. Like I'm the original indie dream worker guy, not you. Um, so he was pissed that he's getting overlooked now. So I thought that was uh, a pretty organic turn for him. Yeah. Um, let's jump right into the minuses. Uh, emo, emo Gargano feels a little bit too much. Uh, feels forced uh, with the heel turn. Uh, and Dream Champa feeling a little bit more about their individual journeys than the actual issue of the title itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's a good point. Like, they were more focused on Champa trying to prove, like, he was still, like, the best champion, you know, the best or whatever. And Dream trying to prove, like, he could hang, which has been kind of his thing to, to this date. So, yeah. Um, all right. So that's uh, plus three. So pretty good there. Uh, commentary, which has been a drag on some of these shows for sure, uh, just given our general feelings overall on Morrow. Uh, I thought they did a nice t- touch tying in uh, Marvel, opening up with Stanley's passing, so they kind of bring that up and mention him passing away recently around this time. Uh, I thought they did a nice job, too, establishing Gargano's motivations and attacking Black and Black's anger about their revelation. And I thought Morrow did a nice job calling out Velveteen Dream, kind of going Hollywood with the the Hollywood look here and all that. So I thought that was a nice touch um, to do a good job putting that over. And for the minuses, of course, a staple this season, <laughs> a couple here. We got yeah. Mara being Mara with his inside references and pop culture comments and comparisons. We went minus two there. Mara yelling. On this one. It, yeah, this one was like, I think we're going to start seeing it ramped up as the season goes on um, and closes out. But uh, Mara yelling, holy bleep. Uh, soundbite Percy is back at it again. Morrow has a one-liner. Uh, <laughs> says uh, Pete is a vegan but has a propensity for finger foods. Oh God! And that's not the last time he'll use that one. <laughs> he beats that one in the ground. Uh, um, Percy goes missing for minutes at a time. Mm-hmm. Um, on top of like his already soundbite Percy style. Um, I don't know what's going on with Percy, but like as the season goes on, you kind of just forget that he's there until yeah. somebody hits the Percy button uh, and he pops in. Oh, what would it mean for this guy to win this match? It almost feels like he's like a producer, like the third man in the booth. Like he's he should be like weighing in from the sidelines or something like how with how little he talks or adds to the show. It's like Evan Washburn. Like put him, yeah, put put him like at ringside. <laughs> like ask right. like Percy, what do you see at ringside? I don't know. Right. Yeah, could have added, like, a more sports feel. Um, all right, so negative three for commentary, so that washes out the build. Uh, a lot of moments on this show, though, so this is going to help. This is where uh, – I'm sorry, a lot of atmosphere and moments. We'll get to atmosphere first. This is where the NXTs have really climbed when they've been high. Uh, the awesome war game setup. It's really cool to see the two rings with the cage. A point for uh, the huge pop of Kyrie Sane. Uh, a point for Shayna's perfected, badass presence. Like, she mm-hmm. just seems – just like a star when she comes out, a heel, dominant, like someone you do not want to fuck with. And then a point for the crowd being so into that women's match, like that feud really resonated. Uh, I, we gave a point for Gargano's Punisher gear. I thought it felt well that he felt like, you know, he he took like played a Punisher role in taking out assassinating Black, basically. And, um, you know, fighting for what he thought was good and using violence to get there. Plus the Marvel tie-in with Stan Lee's passing. Uh, a point for the uh, really badass Aleister Black entrance, which we always love. Uh, a point for the crowd just being insane for Black and Gargano. 
a point for Velveteen Dream doing the Hollywood Hogan entrance, the Hollywood Hogan gear and all his mannerisms during the match, which is cool, uh, fitting for him being in a world title match. Uh, I loved the War Games cage coming down with the sirens going off. I thought that was a really mm-hmm. cool vibe. Uh, of course, the usual point for the uh, Undisputed Era entrance, um, a point for the crowd being so into Undisputed Era during this match, showing that maybe hard to keep them as heels because the crowd is so into them and uh, a point for the crowd is never dying all the huge spots all the long matches they were there all night bell to bell yeah um really strong night for atmosphere for this one staple center really showed up to play and uh to elevate this card into a different stratosphere maybe Mm-hmm. Uh, but let's get into the minuses. The crowd was not as hot for Matt Riddle as you would expect mm. uh, to open the show. And I think that shows a little bit of a difference between like being indie over and being over with the NXT audience. There, right. There is a difference there uh, or or was. And uh, the shark cages at ringside during war games it felt like an uh. unneeded ad. It felt like maybe they were trying to sell like a toy. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't like. We never had that, you know. Like, just have them stand on the, on the side. <laughs> yeah. Like, we did. Why would they have to lock them up? Is that gonna brawl that badly? I don't. I just felt unnecessary. Yeah, especially when you're dealing with like two twenty by twenty rings. Like, there's plenty of space for <laughs> somebody right. to be in in one corner, another team to be in the other. All right, big bonanza here though. There's plus ten for atmosphere, so that's a big, Ooh, big wow. number. All right, moments as well. Uh, a really good job establishing Riddle as a knockout artist in the opener. Uh, establishing the Horsewoman as a major threat with them helping out and uh, Shayna winning, the, keeping the title. Kyrie Sane's apron DDT was nasty. Gave a point for that. Uh, gave a point for Yo Shirai coming out and doing the top of Moonsault. That looked awesome. Uh, a point for X-Pac and his puppy, uh, his yeah. uh, emotional support dog. Uh, really fun vibe when you see him in the crowd all smiles. And you and I are big Sean Wallman, Mark, so we'll give a point there for sure. Uh, Alistair Black getting revenge of the attack by going over clean over Gargano kind of establishes him uh, as potential getting back on the title picture. A point for uh, Velveteen Dream using the Hogan offense to a huge pop. That was memorable. A point for, which I loved, during the Chopper match, he grabs a pad of paper and just throws it in Morrow's face and shuts him up by talking. <laughs> like, it looked like he threw a fucking rock at him. Like, it really was hit hard. It was such a good moment. I rewound it twice um, to watch. A uh, point for all the innovative spots in War Games. Added a fresh vibe on the gimmick. A uh, point for the Hanson Super Tower of Doom, which looked awesome. A mm-hmm. point for Fish going through the table between the rings looked awesome. And a point for Dunn and R- Ricochet being pushed as top guys. Like, we closed the show with them standing tall. Um, and just looking like the next wave of, of the top NXT players. Yeah, for sure. Um, looking into the minuses, though. Uh, the booking of the match between Riddle and Ono, wow, I felt like that was dumb. And I think to, you know, give a... Uh, I guess like an alternative to that, if this was just a segment mm-hmm. and a fight and it ends with the flash knockout, I think that accomplishes the same thing as a match right. without needing to be an official match. Mm-hmm. Um, and the post-match execution did not um, help at all with that. And it didn't right. feel like a knockout. It felt like a roll up happened. Right. It's the same reaction that somebody has when, uh, Oh, looking to steal one with the, uh, the schoolboy. Um, the crowd was dying for Zane to win. Uh, should have maybe gone with it instead. Uh, too much pathos and talking and emotion uh, and emoting during Black and Gargano uh, for being such a hard hitting affair. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know, I just I don't know if they they had their mind made up as to which direction to go with in that matchup. Um, and overall, becoming overdone. 
everyone standing in a huddle watching Ricochet uh, took away from the big top rope cage spot. Um, and War Games finish wasn't the hottest. So this is where uh, Ricochet is going to come off with like a super duper thing. Uh, right. Dunn's going to hit a move. Ricochet hits a move. And, uh, you know, they, they get the pin over Cole. And I think for being such a brutal match um, and having so many spectacular spots, something like that felt a little anticlimactic. And I think you have even stronger feelings about how War Games uh, matches should mm-hmm. be allowed to finish. Uh, so I'll let you, you know, take that away. Yeah, and really quick, too. Like, it's always been a pet peeve of mine uh, when the guys all stand around in the uh like big dive spots i know it's like mm-hmm. a trope as old as time that's <laughs> always back to the 90s right but it always just takes me out of a bit like when they stand there and look at the guy like i can believe a little bit of saying oh they're kind of stunned in shock and they don't know what to do but like sometimes it's like a little beat too long um i don't care for pinfall finishes in my war games um so I could have went without that. Submit or surrender. Like, that's it. That's how we got to end these matches. Um, you can easily feed fucking Bobby Fish to, to tap out to Pete Dunn, biting his fingers, whatever the fuck you want to do. Uh, but we didn't we didn't need, like, a pin. Like, it just doesn't. It goes against the spirit of war games to me. I won't argue that. All right, but that's seven for moments. So another big score there. Five and a half for match grades, like we talked about. Uh, card structure, war games closing the show, of course, is a must. It's perfectly done. Uh, escalating card structure, you know, we talk about that like with NXT quite a bit. They do a nice job building to the big matches. And starting war games with Cole and Ricochet coming off their banger in Brooklyn, like, made a lot of sense. I thought it was a good choice to get the crowd going quick into the yeah. match. Mm-hmm. Okay. What do you got for the negatives on that side? Uh, don't believe we have any. For card structure? Yeah, we got a oh, bunch card here. structure. There we go. Uh, sorry about that. So uh, we're to approach with the unsanctioned match to start. Mm-hmm. Uh, feels against how NXT works best. Again, uh, I think you start with the two out of three falls match and you work the brawl yeah. after that matchup. Um, yeah. That might have a better flow to it. Uh, Dream and Trampa going just a tad too long, as I talked about earlier. Um, the kickouts kind of kept getting a little bit more absurd and, and dragging on. Um, again, if you haven't seen the matchup and you care to go back and watch it, I think you'll get what I'm saying there. And uh, War Games being a bit too long on the back end, like you said, shave 10 minutes off and you're looking at, you know, a five-star match or match mm-hmm. totally different. Um, it's a common trend that we're seeing so far in this NXT season, um, and it should have ended quicker after Dunn arrived. It really lingered um, once Dunn gets in there. And uh, as you said, War Games, never be pinned, uh, submit or surrender only. Yep, yep. Uh, so negative one for card structure. Rewatchability, though, we get a few points here. Uh, Riddle's knockout uh, was was a great, you know, the, the shot itself is fun to watch. Dream's entrance as Hollywood Hogan was really cool. Um, and then Ciampa throwing the fucking pad at Morrow. <laughs> I rewatched mm-hmm. it alone three times anyway, so it uh, <laughs> proves the rewatchability of that. Uh, no non-rewatchables, though, so that's good. So three points there. Yes. And then all-time matches, we had two. Shanna Baszler and Kyrie Sane, and then War Games, so a bonus two points there. And Marcus, War Games 2 gets a very robust 26 and a half points. Wow. So it's going to finish pretty high for us. Um, you know, we're looking after the show, probably at a top four to five finish. Um, wow. Up tonight. So, I, I, I mean, I don't remember this being as 
regarded it like as highly as like Phoenix and Portland and New York and New Orleans, but it's up there. I mean, if you look at these match grades, like, you know, even take out your sandbagging a little bit here. But I mean, <laughs> for me, like if you take out Ritalono, four and a quarter, four and a half, four, four and a quarter. I mean, I mean, that's wow. Yeah, that's insane. Right. So, um, yeah, that's a lot of praise there. And it's a show that if you haven't watched it a while, or kind of forgot about. Like, I recommend it for sure. Checking it out. Um, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, a lot of fun. The main event definitely delivers. And, um, yeah, that women's match, like, that is, that, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know how you can have a hidden gem of an all-time match, but, like, I mean, that might be one. Um, I knew I liked the finale, like, the most out of all the matches, but going back and watching it, um, you know, definitely, definitely over-delivered for me. Yep. Agreed. Um, all right. Anything you want to talk about quick on North South Connection before we move along? Yeah, we got a ton of projects and podcasts going on at the North South Connection. Uh, two of my favorite, of course, Wrestling Warzone and uh, The Wrestler That Was with Aaron George. Uh, love those two projects. Also love uh, now entering the Rumble. Uh, it's always a, uh, a treat every other Monday. Uh, kind of get the, uh, the work week going. So uh, those are just three of my favorites I want to give a shout out to. Yeah, we have stuff dropping, at least one show every single day, uh, right through the weekend, and really proud of all the content there. You mentioned Aaron, him and I have a couple shows now entering the Royal Rumble, where we break down every single Royal Rumble entrance performance of all time. We're pretty much into 1994 now, uh, but a lot of guys we've already covered too, right? Like, so Bret Hart was our first one. We did all his Rumble appearances. Uh, so it's a very, if you're into wrestling minutiae, that's a show for you. And then No Holds Barred every other Saturday. It's a kind of a list project-based show. Uh, once a month, we go through our greatest WWE wrestler ever lists as we're building and refining for the end of this year's stretch project. And then once a month, we are going through every WWE world title change in history and ranking them based on a series of categories. So that's been a lot of fun, too, uh, breaking those down. So check out everything North South Connection. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. We appreciate you taking the time to spread the word as well. It's just a lot of great content, especially if you're a super wrestling nerd for shit like this. Yeah, and uh, two more uh, podcasts I wanted to give out a special mm-hmm. shout out to two of my favorite eras of wrestling, that being the Ruthless Aggression era mm-hmm. uh, with Jacob Williams here and then uh, New Gen on a Mission. Yes. Absolutely love that podcast as well. And that is uh, going through from Survivor Series 1992 to Survivor Series 1997. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that those those two time periods hit like two different um, but also two passionate about 10 years apart too they're pretty much where they are so yeah Uh, those are every those rotate on tuesdays and the cool thing a new gen like you mentioned yeah you're covering those that sorry 92 97 but they're they're doing superstars are raw so like they're hitting the every week um of what's going on so like superstars 93 is a very not covered area like in the world of podcasting and, and wrestling reviews so it's like it's very unique that they're digging into those episodes of superstars it's pretty cool Right, especially for me, like, being so little, like, I remember mm-hmm. a lot of the Raws then, but, like, they were kind of late at night for me. So, like, the superstars, like, that's actually a really cool nostalgia trip because that's some of the stuff that, like, I remember a little bit more during that time period than the Raws. For sure. All right, let's head across the pond back to jolly old England for our first ever UK takeover, and that is NXT UK takeover Blackpool 
Uh, we are now into 2019, Marcus. So our next calendar year here, opening that up, January 12th, 2019. And we're back here for the first time since our tournament uh, set us up. We have three dark matches. Liguero taking on Saxon Huxley. Marcel Bartel and Fabian Aikner take on, uh, defeat Mark Andrews and Flash Morgan Webster. And Ginny defeated Isla Dawn. So those are our three um, dark matches. And then we get to our opener which is a pretty surprising one. It's the NXT UK Tag Team Championship Tournament Final. Uh, it was a four-team tournament that started on the NXT UK tapings in November, uh, which aired in January, and set this up where the Grizzled Young Veterans, Zach Gibson, our old friend, and James Drake take on and defeat Mustache Mountain to become the first UK Tag Champs. 24 minutes this match goes. Uh, and again, it's it's a hot one. I mean, we're seeing that well, the one thing NXT and NXT UK specialize in is the tag division. Now, I will say it's a clear step back from Mustache Mountain versus Undisputed Era and, you know, Birch and Lorcan, but still really damn good. Um, I just think one of the things is like, and I feel you the same way, like it's not super into Gibson. <laughs> Um, and he's dominated mm-hmm. a lot of this early stuff, right? For us, for, for UK. Um, so like he was good. I, I feel like this maybe was like overthinking it instead of just strap it up mustache mountain and let them fight off challengers versus chasing. I get trying yeah. to put over this new team, but I really think like mustache mountain to your guys, their aces, put the belts on them and then find some teams to chase them. So I went three and a half, still a really good opener. Um, but just not quite as good as what we've been used to in this regard. Yeah, especially since uh, Drake and Gibson aren't uh, the finished product of the Grizzled Young veterans yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, they still feel like two guys who just happen to like be heels who are partnered up in a tournament. And so it's kind of hard to believe that like they'd beat Mustache Mountain. But uh, this, of course, has the crazy spot um, where there's, there's like the electric chair diving through the ropes European uppercut. I think it is um, Yep. like that's insane spot. And so like, once they hit that, it's like, okay, like at least they hit something crazy to kind of justify them winning. But um, yeah, don't overthink it. Go with the hot hand. It's mustache mountain. They're your aces of the tag team division and, you know, just give them the belts and let them make the classics happen. Um, as opposed to trying to you know, strap up the challengers right away or the other teams right away. So uh, three stars for me, three and a half for you. Uh, pretty solid opener, all things considered. Yeah, for sure. Um, again, just I think like we've been spoiled, so <laughs> that took away a little bit. All right, up <laughs> next is a surprise appearance by Finn Balor to take on Jordan Devlin, his protege. This was an impromptu uh, because Devlin was supposed to fight Travis Banks, but he beat him up earlier in the, uh, earlier in the day. We see that video of him attacking him as he got to the arena. Uh, and then Balor comes out as the surprise um, surprise entrance after uh, Johnny Saints and Scala announced that, uh, you know, you're not getting off that easy. You're going to have to do something here and fight. So and of course, they play up immediately that Devlin, I think, it was what trained by Balor or at least have similarities. They same yeah. hometown, same vibe. So there's some natural give and take there. We only go about 12 minutes, um, which I think is fine. Like. Balor is a former world champion. He's super strong and well-presented. Like, it's only believable for so long that Devlin's going to hang with him. So I think they went just enough to make Devlin look strong and, like, give him the rub, but not make Balor look like, what are you doing? Like, 
with this guy in this batch. So, um, but they do, they do tell the history nicely too. So I went three and a half on this as well. Like I thought it was just as good as the opener. Uh, Balor always hits for me. And again, like we talked about with the UK tag tournament with Cole showing up, like I feel like they were just trying to do it just enough to like, not to risk anything major happening here. Just, all right, go in there, put on a good show and get out. Yeah. It's a cool surprise to see uh Balor. Um, he feels like such a superstar. Mm-hmm. And, like, I even trend a lot lower on Finn Bauer than a lot of people do, but, like, the star power is undeniable here. Uh, and it's cool to actually get to see him, like, wrestle. And what I mean by that is, like, this is a very much, like, a traditional style matchup with, like, three acts and uh, the hope spots inserted and, uh, you know, working around body parts. Like, it's a very traditional style matchup. And I think that did wonders for jordan devlin here because i'm not high on jordan devlin's work necessarily either um but like that said i went three and a quarter um this is just a really really solid matchup um with like good intensity good psychology uh really cared by the star power finn balor agreed definitely uh him carrying the show and i think it was a good i think it was a good surprise right they're trying to make these shows feel like big events as well just like NXT takeovers always do. So, all right, next up, we have Dave Bull Mastiff taking on Eddie Dennis, who I never heard of before I watched this. Uh, <laughs> this is a no disqualification match. I like Bull Mastiff. I think he's pretty good. He's fun to watch. He's different. Uh, and actually, Dennis ended up impressing me. Like, I thought he was pretty fun. Um, they do a nice job keeping it tight. It's just 10 minutes. Uh, Mastiff gets the win, does a really nice big cannonball through the table uh, to pick it up. So I, this is pretty fun. I thought it was well done. Uh, I'm not going to say it, it sh- you know, was earth shattering or anything like that, but I really enjoyed this match more than I expected coming in. And for a guy that didn't know who he was, Eddie Dennis, I thought he was pretty entertaining. So I went three and a quarter. Yeah, I didn't understand necessarily why this match was happening, why it needed um, such like a blood food <laughs> style match to pay off whatever the issue was. Uh, no disqualification. Uh, there are some tropes with like kendo sticks and stuff, but they also do some typical like just solid brawling. Um, so for me, that's good for two and three quarters. Um, Mastiff is a ton of fun, and I'd like to see him moved up the card. Um, he kind of feels like the UK version of um, of Otis, um, hmm. but like. With a little bit more of like a mean streak built in, like right, a little more rugged edge. Yeah, you don't want to mess with this dude. It's like a homeless man's Vader. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the, yeah, good, good match. Yes, yes, solid, and that's what this show's been so far. It's like very solid. All right, up next is our women's title match, UK women's title match, as Tony Storm challenges against Rhea Ripley, who is our UK women's champion. And this sees Tony Storm win that belt in 15 minutes, taking home the title. So we get our big title change here on the show, our second of the night. Really, the first was, you know, obviously new titles. Uh, the crowd was super into Tony Storm. It's a cool moment when she wins. Uh, the live audience really enjoyed it. I thought it was um, a good, you know, match where Ripley really showing off her power offense that she's known for. And Storm just hanging and hanging and then ending up stealing the victory out with the Storm Zero. So as a, a very good title match, again, the women continue to deliver on all these. I ended up going 3.75 on this, Marcus. This was a match I really wanted to like a lot more. Mm-hmm. Um, like, this is my wheelhouse for Rhea Ripley's work. 
Like I think she's doing she does some of her best work in um in the UK and also uh once she moves over shortly after this over to NXT America version. Uh Tony Storm liked everything she's done so far. So like this felt like a almost like a, again like the the future is the present. Right. Um and like this is what we should be seeing on Raw and SmackDown. Um I went three and a quarter. My issues with the match, um, again, there's an obvious size discrepancy between the two. And they play off of that. And Ripley works a different style. Like, she works – she's got to be, like, the tallest 5'8 person uh, in the history of the earth. Like, <laughs> she's able to work like she is six foot four, And that's awesome. Uh, and Tony Storm is, like, a very much a compact athlete. So they have a good dynamic there. Uh, but you can kind of tell who had a say in this match because they – abandoned elements of that storytelling where like storm is struggling to hit the storm zero. Uh, and then she finally does. And it's just good for a two. And then like, she has no problem picking up Rhea Ripley sometimes, but then sometimes she does. Um, and then when she does finally hit the storm zero again, uh, for the second or third time in the match, like it's just the law of diminishing returns. Like it would have meant so much more to go home on that first one. I think. Oh, we'll see how Tony uh, reigns on as UK Women's Champion. Not this season, though, because this is our final UK takeover. So, All right, main event time. As Pete Dunne defends against Joe Coffey uh, for the UK title. I like this match more than I expected going in. I thought it was a pretty good, um, you know, really big power, again, power-based match because Coffey's a bigger dude. This is what more I was looking for. We talked about last episode with him and Zach Gibson. Look, at, you know, I think Dunn is better against big guys. It's impressive when he kind of breaks them down and throws them around. This does go a half hour. Again, probably a few minutes too long. Um, a lot of the you know usual Dunn working the fingers and different joint-based stuff. Uh, I, I think the end could have been a little tighter. And Dunn continues to just rack up these title defenses as he's been a dominant UK title uh, holder. I, I went four stars. I liked it as a structure. Again, maybe a touch too long, but I just I really like Pete Dunn's style, so like it speaks to me. And I thought Coffee was a much better fit than than Zach Gibson at the UK tournament final. Agree with everything you said. Um, it's a much more physical style matchup. It's justified with the, the size difference between the two athletes. Dunn's uh, finger based offense that always gets a pop. It's different. Um, but this um. <laughs> this this brought to my attention um, amongst me and some of my uh, my peers a phrase. If you uh, want to know what it stands for, I'll let you know uh, if you message me on the side. But uh, take it home, FFS. <laughs> um, I went two and three quarters. Uh, we've said take 10 minutes off a lot of these mm. matches. You're looking at like a completely different star rating or, or war rating for uh, our project. Take 15 off this. Um, and I think you're looking at a, I don't know, just a match that better suits, um, Dunn and coffee, especially coffee. Um, I know he's a big player in the UK scene at the time. Um, he's definitely well-established them, but to a worldwide audience, this is my, you know, second, first, second, third time seeing this dude. And it's hard to sit there and like, just see somebody I don't know, try to, struggle through like 34 minutes like that is a long time mm. um yeah you know, 
name your favorite wrestler, they probably don't have like 40 minutes almost worth of material. Like that is a big ask. Um, And I think it kind of shows in the match itself there's like a hesitancy to hit because it's like, okay, like who's supposed to throw a strike here? Am I supposed to duck? Are you supposed to duck? Is this one supposed to connect? And then like, you can kind of see like they're out thinking themselves a little bit, at least coffee um, is really trying to like step up and have a Pete Dunn match. Kind of like what we saw with Wolfgang and Adam Cole. Right. Um, so yeah, I, I went two and three quarters. Um, you know, they do some awesome stuff, but um, it's just, I, I just think it's a really big ask for them uh, to mm. be in this spot. All right. So I guess the total match grade war of 4.25. So pretty rock solid there. And again, similar to the UK tournament night, like the, the UK NXT right at this point is just all like very good matches. Like we're not, may not be cracking the great, but we're not getting anything bad either. We're just in that very good range and they're all consistent. All right, so for build, we gave a point for kind of the level set opening video highlighting the birth of NXT UK. Uh, a point for building up to Dunn's epic 600-day reign into this match. Uh, a point for a really good backstage accounting of Banks getting hurt um, to give the story to the match of Balor coming out. So that was well done. They really break it down for us. A uh, good build for Eddie Dennis and Bull Mastiff to lead into this match with a lot of interaction between the two. A uh, really good feud between Ray Ripley and Tony Storm. And uh, again, the forming of Gallus uh, as well on the show, too. So a point for that. Yeah, and for the minuses, the bait and switch with uh, Banks. Uh, Coffee, not a super believable challenger. And that is because of the uh, microwaved uh, <laughs> formation of Gallus. Uh, they really try to. I think rush that and um, try to heat coffee up real quick to get them ready for done. All right. Uh, commentary gave a point for just Nigel's overall emotion. Like it's super palpable how much this means to him mm-hmm. uh, to be here, to have this big show in the UK. I'll also point to Nigel's telling the story that, you know, between Balor and Devlin's history on the fly uh, at a good point, really uh, as well by all of them putting over how impressive Dunn's title reign has been at 600 days. Yeah, Nigel really brought it. Um, you could tell that this event meant a lot to him. Um, and kind of leading things um, as we get uh, Vic Joseph, who is new to us. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, no more but, here. Yeah, no more, thankfully. Um, so the only minuses we have um, is there's a few instances of uh, Vic Joseph repeating himself right after a line, almost word for word, like right. early on. Uh, he points out the crowd. He's like, yeah, listen to the NXT universe or the UK universe. And then he'll like, let it breathe. And then he'll repeat himself and just say the same thing over and over again. And um, yeah, it's just weird. It's just weird. Like, I, I don't know how to explain it, but yeah, it's a peculiar thing to do. Overall an improvement though. Uh, yes, for sure. Definitely. So plus two on commentary. So the best NXT commentary score we've had. Atmosphere, we know we love the UK atmosphere. We talked about it quite a bit with the tournament. Uh, just a great-looking arena. Uh, just the awesome Mustache Mountain British Bulldog tights. Those are so great. Such a great Yo, Those are dope, yeah. Yeah. Uh, we give a point to the crowd chants all night. We give actually two points for that because it just carries this whole show with the, the great soccer-style chants. We give a point for Finn Balor's awesome entrance. A point for, like I said, great value Vader. Bull Mastiff, he's got the Vader-style tights on. 
the crowd atmosphere adds a lot to Ray Ripley and Tony Storm. So point for that. A point for the crowd being fully engaged with Dunn and Coffee through 34 minutes. And then the huge pop and great entrance for what we didn't mention yet with the arrival and former Chef Gallus is the arrival and debut of Walter, who comes out at the end and stares down Don. So the crowd was super into that. So point for that. Yeah, it's a big get for NXT UK then. Um, the minuses that we have for Matt and Sphere is uh, the table, table, dance and chant, getting uh, mm-hmm. really old real fast. Uh, and the crowd being dead for Coffee's entrance. Right. Didn't feel like a dude that's coming to challenge for the belt as he walked no. out. That <laughs> no. So. Uh, but that's six for atmosphere. So, I mean, these always score well with that. Uh, notable moments. We had the uh, doomsday device on the floor in the tag match. That looked awesome. Uh, Travis Banks getting hurt and having to get replaced in his match. is a big story point right there. We gave a point for Balor's surprise replacement in that match. Uh, we gave a point for Eddie Dennis. He really got his power offense over, like it showed good growth. And this is a guy, I didn't know who he was coming in in between the, the video package and this match, like really resonated with me. Like, okay, this is a guy I could, I could watch again. Um, a point for Tony Storm winning the women's title. And then a point, of course, for Walter's debut. And for the minuses, uh, the crowd not being thrilled with the uh, tag title win mm-hmm. for our heels. Uh, Devlin could have used a win. And uh, didn't feel like he gained too much in losing. Um, so would yeah. they have been better not using Balor here and just putting Devlin over someone? I don't know. Maybe Balor comes out after like and saves whoever and like brawls for a second. Or Maybe or like if Devlin kind of like plows through somebody quickly in a five minute match, Balor comes out after. I'm I'm not sure. But All right, well, you can shave ten off that main event. Well, so, yeah, yeah maybe, like, Devlin says, oh, Banks can't be here, and, like, some jobber comes out, and he beats him quick, and then Balor comes out, and they have, like, a five-minute match. I mean, something right. like that. Yeah. All right, so plus four for match grades, uh, plus 4.25 for match grades, I should say, plus four for moments. Our card structure, always a great choice to open with Mustache Mountain and attack title defense. Uh, and then it was no BS. It was an easy show to watch. It just kind of flowed match to match. No nonsense, uh, you know, in and out. Yeah, um, let's talk about the minuses, though. Uh, this mm-hmm. is not the usual fast-paced Mustache Mountain match uh, we've grown accustomed to seeing. And I think that's why, uh, the, uh, at least one reason why uh, our rating for the matches uh, trended definitely lower as opposed to the Undisputed Era matches that they've had. It may have been a better anchor match on this card. Um, they put Ma- uh, Mastiff and Dennis in a tough spot after uh, Finn Balor. Like, that was kind of, I feel like, the first time the crowd, like, really, really, like, settled in or like, mm-hmm. kind of, like, was lesser than the two matches before, um, which ended up, the crowd, like, ended up being spotty for them. Main event, at least 10 to 15 minutes too long. Uh, just right in the middle of the match. Um, the Walter debut and execution, it literally boots Coffee right back to the mid card after Ooh, right. just sat through like a 40 minute forced classic. Right. Um, so that was kind of um, counterproductive, I think, to building Coffee and Gallus. All right. So negative two for card structure. Uh, rewatchability, we give a point just for all the Dennis Master Fat Man power spots. Looked awesome. And then a point for Walter's debut, uh, Murder and Coffee with a Boot. So that looked really good. Uh, no negatives there and no all-time matches for this show. Nets us out to a pretty impressive 20.25, Marcus. Wow. Um, so NXT UK TakeOver Blackpool is going to finish pretty high for us. 
again, the UK atmosphere just adds so much to these shows. Um, and they did some good moments. And this is one where there weren't a ton of negatives. So it just kind of kept compiling positive points. Like the, the commentary is better without Morrow and Percy. The build is pretty straightforward. Uh, yeah, we didn't have a ton of great moments, but there weren't really many down moments. Um, there's just besides a card structure, like everything else was in the positive. So just it was kind of one of those shows that doesn't have the the giant peaks, but didn't really have any valleys. So just kind of steadily kept gaining steam. Um, this is not one I would have expected to finish as high as it did. And when you look at our grades, it's going to be a top 11, a top 10 show. It's in 10th. Uh, so I don't I don't think coming in, we would have guessed that this would be a top 10 show, probably. No, not at all. I think doing the breakdown, I think like commentary was kind of the MVP for the show mm-hmm. um, just by like one, like being replacement level, but like being like two points above um, right. where we've seen commentary really take away from these NXT shows. So uh, yeah, commentary, I think was the, uh, the big player, everything else just kind of did its job. Yeah. And it finishes two and a half of a Brooklyn four, which is pretty crazy too. Um. All right, so why don't we just do our top 15? I think we're getting to the point where we're doing all of them. <laughs> we're yeah. close to 40 shows now. Uh, probably doesn't need to be done. So if we do our top 15, we would start with, I believe, King of the Ring 1999 uh, with 16 points. Followed by Backlash 1999 with a 16.25. Unforgiven 1999 with 16.5. NXT TakeOver Brooklyn 4 with a 17.75. Okay, and the Survivor Series 2011 with an 18.75. NXT UK TakeOver Blackpool with a 20.25. And that's our 10th place show. And then ninth right above it is the other UK show, uh, Championship Tournament Night 1, 21.75. Wow, look at the UK coming through. NXT TakeOver Chicago 2 with a 22.5. That's tied with No Way Out 2000 with a 22.5 as well. Followed by SummerSlam 2011 with a 23. Our top five now, fully loaded 1999, 26.25. NXT TakeOver War Games 2 with a 26.5. So just nudging out, fully loaded there. Mm -hmm. Uh, Our top three, Royal Rumble 2000, 28.5. Money in the Bank 2011 with a 28.75. And our number one show, still untouched, SummerSlam 1999. 38.25. 38.25. So, interesting list. NXT continues to infiltrate this top 15, and I'm guessing, Marcus, after our next episode, we'll have two more in the bunch because Phoenix and New York are both very well-regarded takeovers uh, with lots of big stuff going on. So we'll wrap those up. We'll also, next episode, do our year in awards for this season, and then before you know it, we'll be on to another season in, in a month from tonight. So exciting stuff for sure. Uh, be sure to check out everything at North-South Connection, as we talked about earlier. Also, check out uh, Final Wrestling Place over the soon-to-be-name network. Marcus and the Toolman Taylor doing some yeoman's work there as well. Appreciate all of your support. Continue to take care and live your lives above replacement level. We'll talk to you in two weeks. Later.